Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Hey guys, it's uh, Father's Day, and I'm really excited to be here in, in the stead of uh, Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark and Audra are celebrating um, their oldest son's graduation today, so it's really exciting, and it's really a, pri- a privilege for me to be up here to share the word. It's been a long time, so great grace, okay? Great grace added on to me and your ears. Uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy this time together. Um, but I got to tell you, for all the dads out there, I want to honor you. I also want to tell you that I prepared a message, but the Lord just started just tweaking it. And I love how he does that. And, and I began to hear what the Lord wanted to say to you today, dads. What I prepared may sound intimidating, maybe. But I don't want that to be the overall feel and theme because here's where, this is good, this is good. This is why the Lord corrects even on the spot. I want you to hear this. Some of you have had terrible dads. Some of you have no dads. And some of you have had amazing dads or just okay dads. You know how that is, you know. Yeah, your dad, you're okay. But there are many people that can't, identify with this day without pain. But the Lord wants to tell you today that I am a good, good father. I am a good, good father, and his heart is for you. And that's what we're going to get into this morning. So back when I became an adult, I thought I knew what the word legacy meant, you know? I came of age. I was out on my own. I know what legacy means. And then I had my firstborn son and realized that I had no clue what the word legacy meant. And that's what we're going to get into today. It's about about legacy, what that word means, and how to live out a a legacy. The reality is, is that each one of us dads in this room, we probably want to leave a positive legacy for our family and generations to come, right? But my question to you today is, are you living legacy now? Are you living legacy now? You see... The world has their own idea of what the word legacy means. And in in fact, the the dictionary doesn't have a very good definition of what legacy is. Some people think that it's it's, um, like a, a, a sum of money or property that you hand down or a good name, right? Or traditions, traditions that are handed down from one generation to the next. But this is what I'm going to tell you. Legacy is a story. Legacy is a story. It's made up of traits and behaviors that exemplifies a set of beliefs and values that's that's lived out, that's produced from your life and caught by the next generation. And it goes from generation to generation, and it builds upon itself. But legacy is a story. I'm going to tell you what legacy is. It's spiritual. It's not accidental. It's intentional. 
Peter, your word last week about grabbing hold of what God is doing and being intentional about grabbing it. That is intentional. It's dependent upon action, legacy. And it's rooted, this is my favorite, it's rooted in the partnership with God, right? And it's built upon intergenerational cooperation, and then it's actualized in consistency. So here's the deal. I didn't make this up. I didn't read a bunch of books on how to build legacy or how to raise children. And actually, that's probably one of my greatest faults is that I, I just don't read enough in those areas. I just kind of wing it. <laughs> but that's not totally true. <laughs> yes, amen, says the guys. that we, we don't read instruction manuals. We never make mistakes. That's all part of the process. No, actually, if you are looking for a really good book, Dr. Dobson has a phenomenal book called Bringing Up Boys. And I'll tell you, if you have boys or girls that you're raising in this generation, it is an incredibly good book. And it is hard to raise children in this culture that we live in today. So where did I pick up on legacy? Where I picked up legacy, this, this concept... And it became clear to me when I had my, my first son. Was I watched the men that I grew up around in the church that I grew up in. They intentionally lived out legacy. And my father knew that. And he connected with those men and we grew up all around. So I saw it. I saw it lived out. It was, it was seen and experienced. The, 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 the fathers around us, my own father, they, they grew up. They, they, they created a culture where legacy was intentionally sowed into the lives of their kids. I think that every man in this room wants to rise up to the occasion and live legacy out, and they'll leave a legacy that is so powerful. But it can be so hard in this generation, in this culture today, to do so. And I'll tell you why. Most of the world is ruled by Satan. Most of the world is ruled by Satan and his false story. You see this in media, you see this in, in you know, mainstream media, in movies, in Hollywood. I mean, there are, there are movies and miniseries dedicated to bringing the man down. There are stories that are, um, you, you see this, first of all, the attack on the dad. The dad is made to be a fool. He's made to be incompetent. He's made, to, made out to be a deadbeat. He's made out to be um, someone with issues. Selfish, greedy. He, he's made out to be incompetent. And, and you see this in all forms of media today. And then you've got these stories where you have the son that's trying to overcome the sins of the father. Cue Star Wars. Cue Goodwill Hunting. I mean, there's a thousand movies out there like this. We realize that Star Wars and Goodwill Hunting are the same story. Totally the same story. 
But see, this is where it comes indifferent. When you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, what you do is you take yourself out of this, this satanic storyline and into a heavenly storyline. A story that God wants to walk with you. Here's the deal. God wants you to walk with him in this story. He wants you to partner with him. How many of us dads, because this is just kind of sometimes the way we are, um, we want to do things and we want to bring our kids along with us. But if it hasn't been modeled to us, it gets very awkward. You see, when you're, when you're, even in ministry, sometimes you want to go off and do something and say, God, why don't you come with me and do this? God, why don't you come with me and do this? But no, see, God is like, no, I already have a plan and a storyline for you. Why don't you come with me? Okay? Often our ambitions can overrun the sweet relationship of the Father God. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with each and every one of you dads. Now, I hope that if you're not a dad, yes, this is a, this is a message to dads, but I want you to understand if you are uh, um, a mom or if you don't have any kids at all, listen, there are spiritual kids, and a lot of these, there are a lot of these uh, principles today that will actually, I pray, impact you and help you lead as the believer that God has made you to, to be. But we are focusing on dads, of course. So I hope this all can reach you. God has a different plan for you to live out, a different story. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Psalms 139, 39 says, For you have formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Can you guys hear this, dads? Before I formed you, dads, in the womb, I knew you. And before you were, you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. If, you, if you're sitting here and you're like, Dude, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet. That's like way too heavy. Can I just tell you that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are ambassador of the gospel of Jesus, and you're putting out the word of God into the world, and you're speaking on, the, on behalf of God. So you are a prophet of God. So don't take any, don't sit back and say, that's not me. No, that is you. And uh, Jeremiah 1.5 is spoken directly to you. And I love the fact that Jeremiah 29.11, right? 29.11 was spoken today. I actually deleted that out of there because everybody's heard it before. <laughs> but I'm so glad that God put it back in. So God has a different story for us to fulfill. And dads, it starts with you. It really does. You see... It starts by you seeing yourself as Jesus sees you. That's what today is going to be talking about. So, just a little personal story. I, before I was 
working in the church 12, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, um, I was in retail. And I um, was behind the counter, and I wore a little name tag. It was really nice. Had my last name on it. And a woman came in to a store that I usually never hang out in. It was up in North Conway. And this woman came in, and uh, apparently she was Polish. She was about my mom and dad's age, and she walked right up to me and said, Oh, Strykars. I was like, hey, man, nobody gets that right the first time. So you must be Polish. And uh, she said, yes, actually, from Poland, just came to the United States. And she says, do you know what your name means? And I said, well, my, my grandmother always used to tell me it was uh, son of a bricklayer or something like that. You know, it's kind of the joke. Um, I actually thought it was serious. But anyways, um, she said, no, 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 your name means reaching for the highest. Whoa. Like, when you take a step back and you're like, and the, and the light hits your face and the hair goes back. That's the kind of moment I had. I mean, hair standing up on end. And I realized, and she even pronounced it in its uh, Polish grammatical. Like, I don't even speak a lick of Polish. But she, she comes up and she says, your name is Trihars. I was like, oh, that's a kind of a cooler way to say my last name. But I, she told me what it meant and it impacted me. And it was about reaching for the highest. And that just identified with me. And what I want you to see is that Jesus always, when he connects with you, he doesn't just leave you where you're at. When when you have that, that connection with Christ, he says, no, I'm pulling you up. What does it mean to be an heir of the kingdom of God? To take your rightful place to sit alongside of him in heaven, right? He's taking you from down where you were and brings you up to where you ought to be side by side with God powerful. So fathers in this house, I want, you to, I want you to repeat this after me. I have authority. No, that's, that's really weak, guys. I want you to say it like you have authority. I have authority. I have authority. That's right. You have authority. Why do you have authority? Because, well, you said I do. You're a husband. And you got to be a husband before you're a father. I mean, I'm talking father. You can make babies all you want. But to be a father, you need to be a husband first. And let me tell you this too. You have authority on a higher level when you begin having kids. It kind of drops on you. It gets real, right? It gets real. So I want to take us now to uh, Gideon. Open your Bibles to Judges 6.11. Guys, uh, as you're doing this, I want you to know something. That Jesus calls you to your best. But your best, dads, your best cannot be apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's impossible to be the man of authority and the legacy setter without a relationship with Jesus Christ. What we're going to talk about right now is how to build a legacy. All right. I'm going to start reading, and I'm just going to point some things out for us. Judges 6.11. 
It says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, which is a tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, or Yoash, the Abizrite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press, by the way, you don't beat out wheat in a wine press. That sounds really silly. A wine is for grapes. A wine press is for grapes. What he's doing is he's hiding. He's hiding from the Midianites. Now, the Midianites, just to give you a little bit of a background, the Midianites took Israel into captivity because Israel chose to walk away from their first love, God. That's that's the first and foremost lesson for every dad in this room, for everybody in this room. Do not leave your first love. That's not the wife you're sitting next to. That's Jesus Christ. So in, in, in verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Boom. O mighty man of valor. See, Gideon then says to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this awful stuff happened to us Israelites? And where are all his wonderful deeds that the Lord Uh, that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. What? What might is he even talking about? He's talking to a man who's hiding from the Midianites making bread in the dark. I mean, that's where Gideon was. Listen to this. He says, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And then he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. That is a story. That is a story that men ought to rise up to. And he was in this place where he, he didn't believe it. But man, he had to. And, and the story goes on. I can't get into all the details. But honestly, here's the deal. He, God calls Gideon from the lowest place. He was the weakest of the weakest tribe. And he calls him to a place of a deliverer. He calls him up to a place of, um, it, it's almost like kingship. Right? Because the kings led in the battles. He was like, what, me? There's no way. But as the story goes on and Gideon leads a group of like highly trained operatives like the fast marine teams, the SOCOM teams, we're talking the guys that knew how to war, 300 special forces. Dude, I could walk into anything with 300 special forces and I don't know anything and I know I'm going to get out okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, that's the kind of thing that God brought Gideon through to the place where they had to take on the Midianites. But here's the deal. God didn't say you're going to defeat them with 300 men. He says, you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Okay? Before he could do all this, this is the crux of this entire message. Before 
he could do all of that to rise up to the thing that God has called him to. He had to do something. Follow me to verse 25. It says this, That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that is that your father has and cut down the Asherah beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold. Men of this house, hear this. The altar to Baal was a stronghold. It wasn't in Gideon's house. It wasn't in his dad's house. Are you feeling it? Are you beginning to feel something going on here? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling what God talks to us about authority. I I hear what God is beginning to say here in this storyline. So Gideon, he, he tells Gideon, okay, there's stones. You put it around this. You do this in this way. He says, take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you cut down. So he's taking the idol and he's chopping it up. He is chopping. That's, guys, there's a difference between repentance and renouncing sin. And there's a difference between acknowledging sin and worshiping God. There is power when you worship God. There's also power when you take those sins in your life and you cut them down and you say, you know what, no longer will this be in my household. No longer will you, you, you're not going to allow safe harbor for sin in your household. And this goes back to the generations past. So listen, I'm not talking about dishonoring your parents. I'm not talking about making a fool of your fathers. There's nothing. You are responsible for you. But where sin comes into your line, you have to take a stand in the authority of God. If it wasn't done in the generation before you, you'd need to take the stand and take take that, uh, that step, that stand, to worship God instead of giving safe harbor for sin. Amen? God wants you to stand and walk in authority. See, obedience to God is hard. It is not for the wimp, and it's not for the weak. It is not easy. But that is what God is calling you to. But do you realize, too, that it's with, in relationship with God? Okay. You need to take your spiritual place of authority. I just want you to understand here just another little tidbit about about, um, the relationship between Gideon and his father, Yoash. Gideon's father, Yoash, his name is actually two syllables that actually make up two specific ideas. Yo being a syllable related to the worship of Yahweh, and Ash being the relationship of worshiping Baal, the Asherah. 
his own name said, I have two feet on one foot on either side of the fence. Because I don't believe God is fully capable of meeting all my needs. I'm going to worship the other thing. Now, what's interesting is that Gideon went by night to tear down the altar of Baal. Now, who's Baal? Baal, Satan. Okay? Just to, just to clarify that. How in the world can you be a Christian and worship Satan at the same time? Whoa. Are you serious? That doesn't work with my theology. I just can't. No, we do by allowing certain things to remain in your life. What does that look like? It could be drinking, pornography, sexual sin. And when I say drinking, I'm talking about you're getting smashed. You're going beyond what you know is right and what you're capable of. Some of you shouldn't touch it at all. Sexual sin, gluttony, greed, dishonoring others, a religious spirit of pride and false humility, crude joking, sowing discord among brothers, rebelliousness, gossip. That's just a little list. When I look at this, I go quiet. Because there are places in my heart that God is still working out. No man is fully, completely rid of whatever it is, because God is continually making you a new creation, sanctifying you by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what relationship with Jesus means, right? But here's where we say, okay, well, that was Old Testament. Gideon was Old Testament. What about the New Testament today? Before I jump to the new, I want you to jump to the old and read uh, Exodus 20, verse 4 through 6. I'll just read it for you right now. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. A lot of people will read that verse and they'll totally miss that part. When you give safe harbor for sin, God says, that's like an act of hate against me. Right? Let me go on. Hebrews 10, 29 through 30. It says this. This is New Testament theology. How much more worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, who has profaned the blood of the covenant by which was sanct- he was sanctified and outraged the Spirit of grace? Who wants to outrage the Spirit of grace? Not me. Now, am am I, like, kind of throwing a damp towel on you guys? (laughs) I hope so, in tears. Because really what I'm wanting you to do is grasp hold. We have grace under the blood of Jesus Christ to become better, 
to become men of God, to be up where we belong, co-heirs of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you being down in the mud with the pigs. He calls you up. That's one of the things that Satan hates the most, is that we were made lower than the angels, but God is raising up us up above the angels. Because when we are co-heirs with Christ, we actually will judge all things, the earth, and even angels. There is a level of authority God is calling you to, men and women. But dads, it starts with you. Take a stand and cut it off for good. Repent, renounce it, and move on. That's it. But do what God told Gideon to do, and that was to take a stand on top of the stronghold. Because you don't want that stronghold going to the next generation. You don't want that affecting your kids. And you know what? Love your parents who were before you that still struggled with that, maybe that sin or something else. And you say, God, I thank you for my parents. They, they did the best that they could, and yet whatever was done there, we take authority and responsibility for today, and we cut off in Jesus' name. That we walk in the victory according to the Christ's purposes and victory that we will walk in. Right? It is verbalized. Don't just have a little party of your own and pray by yourself in quiet and just say, God, I'm just thank you for all this stuff. This thing here. Ah. No. Get up in your home and declare that these things will no longer be allowed in my house. And worship will be will replace. Worship and prayer will replace. Now here's the deal. God is calling you up to a higher place, but are you calling your children up to a higher place? This is where the intergenerational cooperation takes place. Are you involving your kids in your personal walk with Jesus Christ? Or is it personal? That's the biggest lie of the enemy, is that your faith is personal, bro. That's personal. Don't talk to me about that. That is the biggest lie. No, faith is actually communal. That is exactly what God... Now, yes, you are personally saved by Jesus Christ, but that's where it ends. Now you are a part of a body of Jesus Christ. You are part of the body. You are not its own little thing growing by yourself in some dark corner. You are a part of God's kingdom. And your faith is just as important to each and every person in this room. And the things that you allow in your life, you need to allow other people to speak into your life. And that's where also that intergenerational play comes into, it comes into play. That where you're, you and your sons, you're talking about things. You and your kids, your daughters, you're talking about things. You're, you're saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm not perfect. But this is how I want to follow after the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That is what we need to do. It's me and my household. It's not just me. Don't let Satan's world raise your children. That is your responsibility. 
And what you need to do is you need to call them who God calls them to be, which is co-heirs of Christ. If you continue to feed into your kids' hearts and minds who they are in Jesus Christ, their identity in Jesus Christ, it's going to conflict with the things that the world is throwing at them every single day. And at some point, there's going to be a rub, and they're going to say, you know what, I am a child of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. You see, that is what our, our part as dads, we can feed, we can sow into the hearts of our kids. So my dad really did a good job. Dad, you know, <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to cry. But the thing is, is that my dad, I mean, my mom was a prayer warrior, is a prayer warrior, and she had an impact on me too. But my dad, being the dad, had such a heavy weight. And here's the thing, I didn't understand that I was, what legacy was until I ended up having kids of my own. And I, been, I looked back and I was like, oh, my dad is so smart. Oh my gosh, like I didn't realize the, the intentional steps that he took to put us in places where we as kids can grow. And it wasn't just my dad, it was all the other guys in our church. It was all the other guys in the church that helped me find my path along the way. He realized that as a dad, there's only so much that he could pour in, and he poured in well. But it's other men in the church that also poured into me. And helped me. I can name names. Warren Winchester. You guys don't know him. I'm just kind of talking to myself right now. (laughs) But this guy, he helped me along the way to understand the prophetic voice and the prophetic ministry. Guess what? My dad operates in the prophetic ministry. I don't think that he understood that as, as I'm growing up, that his spiritual gifts were impacting me. And that I began to walk in the prophetic ministry. You see, there is intentionality when it comes to legacy, living it out day by day. My dad was by no means perfect, but he wasn't a hypocrite either. He didn't hide stuff. What he did was he involved us. In closing, what I want to do is I want to just share with you real quick. These are the things that I would give you a list for, for doing to help develop and live out a legacy for you and your family. You need to set an example and build the host of memories, those behaviors in your home. Number one, are you praying as if you know the face of God? Are you praying as if you know the face of God? Or is your prayer life shallow and impatient? Psalms 27, 8 says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Number two, are you often reading the word? Or do your kids think that you're looking at Facebook, Instagram, and the news feed? You know, get a a real Bible out. I find this extremely hard because when I'm reading, I'm reading from tablets and all that. I'm not saying do or don't. I'm just saying, do your kids know you read the Word? That's the thing. I don't care what it's on. It could be on the TV for all that matter. But put it out there so people, that your kids see you reading Scripture. Three, are you showing gratitude for His provision and living generously? Or do you take the credit for all your accomplishments and spend like it is? All your credit. 
Be generous. Know that your money is God's. Your, your accomplishments are God's accomplishments. You are walking in the way of, of his story. So be intentional about generosity. Be intentional about showing God gratitude. Okay, four, are you inviting other godly people into your family circle who will speak into the lives of your children? Or is your home off limits to the family of God? Your home ought to be open. And why do you guys come to a church in the first place? I hope that it's to grow. I hope it's to worship. But I really do hope it's to develop relationships that go into your house. That's where you're going to see growth. That's where you're going to see some amazing changes take place in you you and your kids' lives. Five, are you serving the orphans and the widows? Or is your life so busy with you and your immediate family you just don't have any more time to give away? Guys, this is big. I understand. We've got hobbies, we've got our lives, we've got our kids, we've got soccer, we've got hockey, we've got baseball, we've got all these things. But honestly, if you're not modeling it, they're missing a huge component of what it means to be a Christ follower. And lastly, are you using your spiritual gifts to bless others? You have spiritual gifts. God has given you. The Holy Spirit has given you spiritual gifts. But do you live in fear of man? Do you fear your kids? Do you fear what your kids are going to think if you start prophesying over them or speaking in tongues in front of them or healing them? Guys, your your gifts could be a lot of other things besides that. Spiritual gifts, there's 25 gifts in the Spirit. Are you living out your spiritual life, your spiritual gifts in your home? That's where it should be fostered. Now, guys, this is not like some compilation found in the Bible somewhere. I mean, it's all biblical principles. But this is my personal list as a dad. These are things God put on my heart a long time ago that begin to... I'm still working on these These are the things that I can charge you with, Christians, men of God, men of valor. Because he wants you to partner with his story. Amen. Let's let's, uh, stand to our feet. I want to pray for you all. God, it's exciting. I think it's somewhat uh, sobering to realize, wow, God, I have a lot of work to do. (laughs) But that's the story that you desire for us to walk with you specifically, to rise up to the level that you've called us to be men of valor. Many of us probably have some sort of, um, do do I have enough, God? You know, that, that, that place of, Lord, I just don't have it. I'm just not that kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not whatever, a superman in, in the church, in, in the word. I'm not, I just don't know. But 
this is what God the Father says to you. I am a good, good Father. And all you need is me. Do you not know, O mighty man of valor, that your children are as important to me as they are to you? I say even more so. Your children are precious to me. And your name is precious to me. And when you rise up, when you rise up, watch the Holy Spirit. Watch the presence of God pour over you. Consistency over time. Intentionality. Hallelujah. God wants you to be intentional. So, Father, I pray for every man in this room. I thank you for the men in this room that they are here. And I pray, God, that you will bless them, that you will give them strength, and that you will even speak to their hearts as to the things that they need to cast down, to burn up, and to no longer walk in any longer. Not one foot on one side and one foot on the other side. No. Their names... Father God, thank you, Jesus. Their names are names that you gave them. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, just raise your hands to, to, the, to the Lord. Raise your hands to the Lord right now. Father God, I just want to say thank you for these guys. And I pray that the Holy Spirit just come upon them now. That they would feel your presence. Just walk into them right now. To say that they are not alone, but they are with you. Thank you, Jesus. That you would actually be here now, filling them in Jesus' name. God, because without you, we have no part. And we just can't do it without you. Thank you, Lord. And I pray right now a release, God, of new ideas and new ways to serve you, and new ways to bring their kids along the way. Because you have a story for each and every family here. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you that you, when you bring a new story, God, you're filling this room with lots and lots of books. Lots and lots of stories. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 